Today's show is sponsored by Manscaped, which has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The premium lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver deodorant and the Crop Reviver toning spray. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. The Manscaped Anti-Chafing Cooling Boxer Briefs might be one of the best parts of the collection. They have optimal temperature control with their crop tooling technology while keeping your pride and joy supported. Pair these boxer briefs with their pH-balancing liquid products like the Crop Preserver and you're ready for anything. You need to try this out for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. Welcome to the Crawford Talks, a Houston Astros podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Mike, I have to tell you, I took a few days off, a couple days off Twitter this weekend. Always a good move. Always highly recommend. And I was greeted back to Twitter on Sunday when I logged back on by a, I wouldn't say 100 mile an hour, but like 98 mile an hour fastball. Uh with some with some hop on it <laughs> by the one and only Mike Meltzer on Twitter. And obviously, I hope everyone on here follows you. And if they don't, they should. Uh, at Mike Meltzer, I believe it is. But yep. just for the people who, who might not have seen your tweet, because hopefully some other people are, are taking Twitter breaks as well. What, what was your thought uh, after the Astros lost their fourth straight game to the Angels on Sunday? Well, I took probably 10, 20, 30 minutes off after the game. And then so and then I got myself to this point and I said the last 16 innings of Astros baseball have been gross mismanagement on the part of James Click and Dusty Baker. You can't go into the second game of a doubleheader with three available relievers and then play the game of the game the next day when the manager pitches from Valdez into the eighth inning after he had thrown 100 pitches already. And I stand by that tweet. You got the some, more I got think some about engagement it, on here. Yeah, I got some engagement. And the more I think about it, the, the, the less I blame Click and the more I blame Dusty Baker. And even though I've had some pushback, Jake, I stand by the tweet. I thought it was a, it was a, it was a good tweet. I, I agree with you. Like, I think obviously we can relitigate the trade deadline until the end of time. And I think we both come down on the side of they should have added at least one reliever. Um, yeah. But I, I really that wasn't at the front of my mind during these games. Like for me, it was more the mismanagement of the bullpen on Dusty Baker's part than anything else. Um, I I don't know. I don't fall. Don't fall for the fatigued, overworked bullpen narrative that the Astros are trying to sell you. Right. Like, yes, as Admiral Akbar might say, it's a trap. Like it's not actually reality. Um, 
Jake, think about this. I, I understand that rest is not is kind of like sleep and that you can't like sleep 20 hours in a day or 21 hours and then like sleep four hours the next day and feel refreshed. I, I get it. But I, I do think it works that way a, to, to some extent a little bit. I mean, within the last two weeks, the Astros had what? They had an extra couple days off because of the hurricane that didn't come. They had a, they had they a stretch had, where they, they had five days with no games in a six day stretch. Yes, they had those five days off. They had the COVID day against the A's. I mean, they had the next day off after that. And then a week later, I'm supposed to sit here and and believe that your pitching staff, your bullpen is completely beleaguered. You barely played games for a week. What's going on here? And and to add to that, you know, entering Monday, the Astros have gotten the eighth most innings from their starters in Major League Baseball this season. Great stat. 12 bullpens have thrown more innings than the Astros bullpen has. And the Astros have also cycled through 22 different pitchers that have made at least one relief appearance, which I have to, I couldn't figure out if that was the most in the majors, but it has to be up there. Um, no doubt. I don't, I don't get it. Like I said, they just had a stretch to finish August where they had five days with no games in six days. Um, and if you look at just like the individual reliever game logs from this past weekend, it doesn't really add up. As as I think you said in some of your responses to people on Twitter, um, I think people are falling for the fatigued, overworked bullpen narrative that doesn't actually exist. Um, Ryan Presley pitched once in this series, despite not yeah. despite, despite not pitching on Thursday against the Rangers. Blake Taylor yep. pitched once in this series through eleven pitches. Noli Paredes pitched once in the series through ten pitches. Brooks Raley pitched once in the twice in the series, but Sunday's appearance was too late. Game was over yep. after Chris Davinsky. Andre Scrub is like the only one that makes sense that he wasn't available. But also, why would you extend him to forty eight pitches over two and a third innings? And yeah, and it, beyond it, that, he's pitched twice since August twenty fifth. Yeah, it, it's basically a weird combination, I think, Jake, of Dusty using guys too long when they're in games and in not enough games. If that if that makes sense at one time, like he when they come in, they're being used too much and relied on too often. But he's not using guys enough, <laughs> if, if that makes sense. And I think you put it perfectly when you think about this weekend. They played four games, but it's over three days. So just make it three specific days. And of the three days, their three best relievers pitched each one time. Ryan Presley, Anoli Paredes, and Blake Taylor. And I know that the combination really made it not ideal because Taylor and Paredes blew the, the middle game, the, the second game, the first game of the doubleheader over the weekend. But like ultimately, you, you think about just the overall weekend in Los Angeles, and they barely used their best relievers. And I'm supposed to sit here and, and, and think with an eight-slash-nine-man bullpen that these guys are the walking wounded, and I just don't think they're being utilized properly in, in a way that makes sense by dusty baker it's a, a nine or ten man bullpen right i mean like it, it's i think the av- the the normal day these days is nine people in the pen and then for the double header you get that extra player to make yep. it 10 and they also before the double header swapped out cnl perez for brad peacock right so like yep. there was really yep. no excuse to have only three available relievers out of 10 for the second game of the doubleheader. That, I think that's really an indictment of the previous usage. Um, and also, yes. like, maybe I missed this, but, like, is one of the 2020 rule changes that you can't use relievers three days in a row? Not that, not that <laughs> they even were close to using... It seems like it's two days in a row is the issue for them. But, like, 
Last season, I mean, it was it, definitely the usage of th- the three days in a row has gone down in recent years. But even last season, uh, Roberto Osuna did it on three occasions, including twice in April. Ryan Presley did it. Will Harris did it. And you think about now, they're in a short season. You would think that you would see it a little bit more, wouldn't you? As yes. as you're late into a short season, like I don't. Like, it seems like they're they have this like this is like bubble wrap on some of these guys. It's very strange. There are two things that stand out. The first is, and I understand that this is playing the result and hindsight, but you know, if Ryan Presley pitching in the Friday game that they made the the ill-fated comeback uh, and then lost an extra innings like they typically do in 11 on Friday. So he, so Dusty uses Ryan Presley, and then he's not available Saturday in both games of the doubleheader, both of which required safe situations, both of which they blew, uh, back-breaking losses. So in hindsight, it's almost like... But why isn't he available? I, yeah, well, there, there's the why isn't he available. I guess you would say, well, he pitched three, three games, three days out of four uh, because he pitched a couple times against Texas. But to me, like if that's going to be the rule now, I understand you don't want to give away games. I I get it. And they had made a a nice comeback on Friday, but you're on the road using your closer in a tie game, which I understand is typically what you might do. But to me, you know, you're going to play the two games the next day against a team that's not very good. In hindsight, the the first thing I would have done is not use Ryan Presley in that situation. And the second thing I, I really can't figure out is just because Taylor and Anoli pitched the first game of the doubleheader. All of a sudden, they they have they have basically they have nobody available basically in the second game of the doubleheader, and, and it's a it's a seven inning inning baseball game, and they basically have nobody available. And then and then the icing on the cake, Jake Kaplan, the icing on the cake. They go into Sunday where Dusty, like a general before like a, a, a big uh, battle in a war, is basically like, listen, this is a big day, a big day in the standings. We're going to ride Fromper. We're going to ride Fromper until his arm falls off. And that's basically what he does. Like, what if Fromber had given up like seven runs in the first three innings? What, what was he going to do in that situation? He was using him like a pitcher from 1902, basically, on, in Sunday's game. Yeah, and Fromber didn't have his best stuff either. He, he was barely getting any swings and misses on any of his pitches. Yep. Um, not that he's a huge strikeout guy to begin with, but usually he gets a little bit more on the curveball. Um, yeah, back to like Blake Taylor, for example. Like, okay, so he pitched in the first game of the doubleheader. Um he can't pitch in the second game. He threw 11 pitches. I don't get it. Uh, faced three batters in the, uh, the doubleheader on August 25th against the Angels. He threw 22 pitches and pitched in both um, 22 pitches combined and pitched in both ends of the doubleheader. Now, obviously, he had bad results in the first game of doubleheader, but like he still overall had a good season and is one of their better and more reliable relievers um yes like i I just don't understand how you get into a position where your 29th man umberto castellanos um a guy who's like barely pitched above like single a is is you know facing really good hitters on the angels and pitching in high leverage and then back to sunday which you just got into a little bit like they seem to have this and they have since the beginning of the season this like outsized view of Chris Davinsky as like some high leverage weapon that he hasn't been since the first half of 2018. 
Uh, he, yeah, he, l- l- listen, I, you know, Davinsky was a great pickup for them a couple of years ago, but let's be honest here, Jake, he has not been an effective pitcher for years. A- a- and Sunday was just another, another example. I-, I thought he was basically non-competitive when he, w- when he was out there. That's just the reality. Right. And so he's the guy who's making multiple appearances in this series out of all, yes! out of, all of them. And he just came <laughs> off the IL. He's been bad. He, yep. He's, he's a non-tender candidate in a month, right? Like, or two months. Um, Brooks Raley's pitched relatively well, and he comes yep. in in low leverage after the game's decided. Too late. Yeah. Um, swap those two, maybe, and you have a better shot. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's that, why that, I don't really... The Framber, leaving Framber out for the eighth, I, I didn't. I was surprised by it. I didn't necessarily agree with it. But if he's going to bring in Davinsky anyway, it doesn't matter. I agree. I, I thought it was a mistake to bring Framber back, but I can understand the logic a little bit. But what makes absolutely no sense is having Brooks Raley back up Davinsky in that situation. Raley needs to be the one warming up first and in the game first. I don't care if they're lefties or righties up in that situation. It doesn't matter to me at this point. Uh, that, to me, was clearly a 100% mistake. And I think the other thing, you're, you're right about Castellanos on Saturday. To me, like Dusty goes over an inning with guys too often, and I understand sometimes you need to do that, but like I, I just think if Umberto Castellano strikes out the side, as he did in the sixth inning against the Angels, like you have to take what you can get. Uh, that, to me, is about the most you can ask, particularly against that kind of lineup with some of the excellent hitters that the LA Angels have. When you go into a second inning trying to get three more outs and close out a game, I know that technically it wasn't a road game, the second game on Saturday, but you are asking for trouble if you're trying to get extra outs out of guys like Umberto Castellanos. And this is all with a nine or ten man bullpen. Like, can you imagine if it was twenty six man rosters and eight man bullpen? Yeah, like, good points. Like, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, for me, and for me, like to reiterate the overarching point, like it really boils down to less of like I think they have enough. They don't their bullpen's not great, right? It's not. It's probably average in in at best. Yeah, uh, but they haven't. They have more serviceable relievers than Dusty's management would lead you to believe and i think it boils down a lot to using the wrong guys at the wrong time and the ripple effect of each of those um occurrences we'll get right back to the show after this quick break i think the best measure sometimes of talent is on your team who do other teams who who would other teams want to have on their team right isn't that like the fundamental like way you figure out if a team is good or has good talents um when you look at other teams, like people would want Ryan Presley in their bullpen. I think they'd want Blake Taylor and Anoli Paredes. Now, past that, I think clearly it gets a little bit thin. And some people, you know, you'd want Andre Scrub and Brad Peacock's been a veteran for a while. And Rayleigh's been effective, you know, so far in this small sample size. But they have, it's not like this is a bullpen filled with guys that other teams would look at and be like, yeah, listen, we, we're not, we wouldn't take anybody from the Astros bullpen. I, I, do I think it's a good bullpen? No, but I think there's enough to be at least effective, particularly when the starting pitching on balance has been, I think, better than expected considering what's happened so far. Yeah. I mean, the rotation's been pretty good and it's, it's. They had a stretch recently where it felt like they were never going to their bullpen, or at least, yep, you know, like th- there was stretches there where you didn't. See- like, I think Castellanos was actually in the bullpen and not on the taxi squad for like two weeks without being used. Like they- they've yeah. had stretches where the rotation's gone like six on average, 
and they haven't had to use them that much. But but obviously, you know, McCullers not gonna, being able to get an out on Friday hurts. But Luis Garcia did pick up four and a third, which which alleviates some of that. Um, yep. You know, short starts in, in a doubleheader aren't great, but it's also only seven innings. So there's less to fill. I, you know, I, I, there's also like you can make roster moves, right? You you have Brandon Bailey or Chase DeYoung. Not that they're like going to be the next Mariano Rivera, but like they can fill innings. You know, I, I don't, I, the management of this whole bullpen situation is, is, <laughs> I don't know. It's like the fact that we came to the same conclusion pretty much um, right after it's the lacking. game is, is pretty telling. You looked up the stats. What are the numbers, Jake, overall on the Astros bullpen as far as like innings and effectiveness right now? Um, I have to look it up real quick. Give me one second. All right. So the Astros bullpen has a 4.52 ERA, which is tied for 16th in the majors. Um, their whip is 26th best. Because their walk rate is uh, is like worst or second to worst <laughs> somewhere down there. Their walk rates so really that's bad. an issue. Yes, but they haven't been like this dumpster fire of uh like like the Phillies have a seven ERA in their bullpen. They haven't. It's not that right. The Rockies have close to a seven. The Mariners have a six. The Red Sox have a six. Like they've actually they're a four five, which isn't great, and it's a big drop off from what what Astros fans are used to. But it's not like I don't know this disaster it's, of a group it's not a it's not a disaster of a bullpen as people would like to have you think it, it's gone through a rougher stretch early and obviously a rough rough stretch this weekend but i think we both agree that it's been exacerbated by dusty's weird use of the bullpen and i just don't think that he's um maximizing the resources available to him i, I just in this season what, what's the roster right now jake i should know this all the time is it 29 at this point 28 28 but it's 29 but every other day with these double headers yeah <laughs> yeah, so it's 28 normally, it's 29 with the double headers. Like how are you running out of how are you running out of pitchers when there are either 28 or 29 guys on the roster? Like it's 2020. Teams used to have 25 guys in a roster. What is happening here? I mean, you're going into a double header with three guys available in 10. a 7-inning game. Of, What's happening here? And also like if it's really that hard like you don't really need three catchers. Go get another reliever. Like, great point. They don't really even use the three catcher. Like, what what is going on here? Like, I, I get the sense, and this is why I mentioned about ten minutes ago. I blame this more on Dusty than than James Click. I, I feel like if you were to corner James Click and he was talking off the record, I feel like this kind of stuff would probably drive him crazy too. I mean, I don't see how it couldn't. Um, like, it's blatant to everyone, right? Watching the games that the mismanagement of the bullpen. So I have to think the front office sees the same things that we're seeing. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the same time, back to the original point, they probably should have traded for another reliever. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the one that I was thinking about last night that stood out was Archie Bradley, who we talked about, I think, in the last episode. And having somebody like that would be super helpful. And along those lines, let me throw out this statement for you. I think you could make the argument, Jake, that losing Roberto Osuna has hurt them more than losing Justin Verlander through this season. I disagree. 
I mean, I, I know that might sound crazy because you swap out the Bulak start, specifically the last three for like a Verlander start, but I, I just really think you could make the argument that if this team had Roberto Osuna, who I don't, I don't think is some elite closer, by the way, as I have mentioned a number of times, if they had Roberto Osuna, I think they'd have at, I think they'd have at least 24 wins. Maybe. I just, I, I'm always going to say that the elite starter is more valuable than the slightly below oh, elite yes. closer. Overall, yes, no doubt, of course. Like Osuna is not clearly is not nearly as valuable in general as Justin Verlander. But I'm just talking like this season specifically. When you go through some of the games that they have lost, that I think they could have and would have won with if Osuna had been healthy. The game that Osuna actually got hurt in, which they lost in extra innings against the Angels uh, on August first, that San Francisco game that Ryan Presley blew, uh, the games over the weekend, those two Saturday games, the Texas game where Andrews ties it up in the ninth inning. I just think among those like five or six games that you can like nitpick, I think Osuna succeeds in like. 60% of them, 70%. I know it doesn't always work that way, but I, I legitimately think they're 21 to 19. I think they'd be, at, they'd be at least at 23, if not 24, if Roberto Osuna, who I am not a huge fan of as a pitcher, but if he had stayed healthy, I think they'd have 23 to 24 wins. Let me, in the similar vein, because um, you bring up the standings and their win total, how many games do you think Dusty Baker's cost them this year? <sighs> It's a tough question. It's like it's one of those things where you you don't notice the wins a mar- manager, yeah, gets you, but you notice the the losses, right? Um, so it's hard to say, but I think it's at least a couple, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that's totally fair. That without going back and and trying to track all of his decisions, and we'd have to go back in, in the wins and figure out what he did right that somebody else may not have. But yeah, I think it's safe to say that Dusty has not been a very good in-game manager this season, and and, and his use of the bullpen, as we've been talking for a while, has just not really made a lot of sense. Yeah. Also, before we move on to our next topic, I just want to mention that the Angels can really hit, and that looked a lot more like the Angels team that we expected to see this year, this past weekend, I thought, um, you know, like the first couple times these teams played, Mike Trout wasn't really Mike Trout. And I don't know. They just, they, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going anywhere this year, but they can score some runs. So I think both things can be true, right? Like the Astros played poorly with, and Dusty Baker had a bad series, but the angels is also, they can really hit. Yeah, I think it, it seems like it's a bad matchup for them because they either have guys who are really good, like Trout and Rendon, or guys who may not be putting up good numbers but are enough of a threat. Guys like Otani, uh, Upton, Adele, who's obviously a rookie who they have a lot of belief in, and then enough guys who give you troubling at bats um, who really battle against you. And I think the Astros should be thankful that the Angels have gotten off to such a terrible start that even after the four-game sweep that they're only sitting there 15 and 25. Because transitioning to our next topic, I want to make this clear, Jake. I think the Astros will make the playoffs. But I'm looking at ESPN's standings as we speak right now, and they have the playoff odds all the way at the, at the far right. And the Astros' playoff odds are 97% as of Monday morning, Labor Day. They're only three games up of, of, the, of, of the Mariners. And I think it's possible that they could miss the playoffs. I don't think they will, but I think it's a possibility. And I don't think their odds of making it are 97%. I think they're like 
90%, 95% maybe, but I don't think they're 97%. And I don't think I don't think this uh, listen, I don't think it's going to happen, but they've put themselves in a bit of a danger zone here after this weekend sweep. Fangraphs also has 97%. Uh exactly. Um yeah, I don't know. I, if it was maybe the Angels that had the record the Mariners do, the way that the Angels are starting to hit I might agree with you, but it's still the Mariners who are, are rebuilding. They just traded a couple of their better players. They're not going to get to play the Rangers in every series like they just did. Um, True. I don't know. I st- you have to think about it like over if you're projecting just 20 games, who do you think is going to have a better record? The Astros with a three game lead or the Mariners? And I, mean, I would still it's say probably the Astros, the Astros plus like there's a there's a chance the Astros don't have a great week cuz they're playing the A's for 5 and the Dodgers for 2. But then was, let's say they have like a mediocre to bad week. And it, well then it then it turns. Then the schedule turns. Well, everyone's going to freak out. It's predictable, right? But then after that, they play the Rangers for 3, the Diamondbacks for 3, the Mariners for 3 and the Rangers for 4. So they don't play any more good teams after this week. That is fair. Uh, what would worry me is the way the Astros played this weekend, there's not a guarantee that we'll be sitting here in a week. They may not have won a game in the next week. Now, I think they probably will, but like, it's not going to be easy to get a single win with the way they're pitching and the way the bullpen's going with five against Oakland and then the two against the Dodgers. Thankfully for them, they have the, the one day off on Friday. And now these days off are already becoming like super critical because then at least you wake up on Saturday morning and I assume that Dusty Baker will have the full complement of his bullpen, although I don't know that <laughs> that's to be the case. <laughs> um, I don't know. Chris Davinsky might be not available. <laughs> yeah, he might not be. Yes. Um, yeah, I... I mean, I, I legit think the Astros could finish 29 and 31 and, and still still be in second place. Like, well, that I agree with. Yes, I, I, I think if it, when you think about the record, I think if they won 30 games this season, they are in the playoffs. If they won 29, if they won 28, I think they're most likely in the postseason. But you go down a little bit and it's going to make it dicey. And I'll put it this way. So we're recording on Labor Day. They face the Mariners in two weeks on the 21st. If they're up, you know, four to if they're up, let's say like four, five, six games before that series, I think they'll be okay. But if they go through a really rough week, then they need to start making some hay starting next uh, Tuesday against Texas. I'll put it that way. Uh, I've seen crazier things happen, and I I just want to emphasize, I do think they will make the playoffs, but I'd be just a little bit nervous and wary if I were them. Yeah, you're a little less confident than the the projections have them. Um, let's see who the, that's the way I put it. Yes. The, I'm a little bit less like, like to me, like 97% are like you're in the postseason, and I'm mentally looking at them more like a 90% team or a 92% team where if you ran this thing over a hundred simulations, yeah, there'd be like 10 of them where Seattle makes the playoffs as the second place team in the West. So here, this is interesting. I just looked at the Mariners schedule and they, they do actually play the Rangers once more on, on, uh, today on Labor Day. Yep. Then they have the Giants for two. The Giants have been like a sneaky, decent team this year. The D-backs for three. Um, then the Oakland the A's and the Giants again. And then they play. They finish with the Padres, Astros, and A's. So they have yep. a really difficult schedule for the rest of the season after playing the Rangers <laughs> today. And I mean, the D-backs aren't great, but like the Padres, Astros, A's, that's... 
I think it's how, it's how many games with the A's left? Six? Because they just had that series they missed. Yeah, six games left against uh, the A's, three against Houston, three against San Diego. So, yeah, I think that's a big part of the projections as well. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Like, this Mariners team is not very good from a, from a uh, pitching standpoint. You know, I think their lineup has some decent hitters. So, I, I think ultimately you will end up being right. And if you go by run differential, which I which is a stat I, I like in general, like the Astros' run differential is still pretty steady because – except for the Sunday game, which got out of hand. Like, they, they lost a bunch of one-run games this weekend, which over a longer sample size, i.e. the next 20, should even out a little bit. Yeah. Um, looking ahead a little bit, so they just lost Lance McCullers to the IL. Uh, we, we don't know for how long with, was it neck nerve irritation? Yeah, neck Whatever nerve irritation, means. yes. Um, do, do you have a sense for, like, what the deal, is that going to be... Missed two starts in the road, uh, two you know, two basically two times through, and then come back. I don't know. Or, Dusty Baker said after Sunday's game that he thought that they were McCullers was headed back to Houston to get checked out. So we might know more, you know, middle of this week. But yep, um, he would be eligible to return the next homestand, as would Jose Altuve. Which for Altuve. It seems like um, he will be fine to come off when he's eligible. Um, Josh James' initial reports are good, and he could be back on the next homestand as well. Like, there's a chance that next homestand, you know... They get the cavalry back The a only bit. people were, who aren't really back are, are Verlander and Osuna, and no one's even talking about Osuna at this point, so I, you know, I'm not expecting to see him. I don't think he's even throwing, so... Really, it's just Verlander at that point, and Verlander progressed to throwing off a mound, according to James Click on the Astros pregame radio show on Sunday. Um, Click, I think he said that Sunday was going to be the second time Verlander threw off a mound, so that's encouraging news on that front too. Um, so yeah, like they're yeah, you know, and we should also mention their best player, Alex Bregman, should be back. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, you know, he's it sounds like the A's series is is in play for him this week. So they are getting healthier. Um, and, you know, I think the Verlander stuff will be a big, you know, storyline for the last two weeks to see yep. if he can make it back and what role he'll make it back. But um, but yeah, like the next homestand, they could have almost everyone back. And, and there, there is a scenario where it seems like that's in play. The Verlander thing, I'm still very intrigued, as I mentioned in the last episode, what his role is going to be, because in three weeks, the regular season is going to be over, and theoretically, they're going to be in the postseason, and so you're going to need to figure out what exactly is his role, and I just wonder, you know, how how quickly can he build it back up? He's What, what, what do you think of the idea of the $33 million opener? Um, I, I'm not, I mean, if that's... If that's what it is, I'm not I'm not against it. My, my I think my initial inclination would be, you know, try to start Granky Val, let's say Granky Valdez McCullers if Lance is healthy and then use Verlander in a high leverage spot in the middle towards the end of a game. That would be my initial thought, but I'm not I'm not morally opposed to it. I think it's hard it's a hard ask for a starter to do to move to the bullpen like that, especially a starter who's been doing it for 100 years. Um, yeah, that, that's my thought. Like they haven't, unlike Tampa, they haven't had their starting pitchers do that sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I, in my head, what they should 
think about is Greinke game one, Valdez game two, Verlander opens game three as like a two-inning guy for Javier or McCullers. I mean, let's not pencil in McCullers until, uh, like, Javier has been better than him, right? Like, he's outperformed him. Yep. So, um, you know, you got to see what the matchup is, too. Like, if it's the A's, which is who it would be right now, um, you know, having Verlander to face Matt Chapman and Matt Olsen the first time through is pretty intriguing, right? And then you're bringing in McCullers or Javier the next time through. Um, I don't know. We're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves even still, but that, yeah, I don't think you open for Greinke. Um, and, you know, I think Valdez has earned kind of the game two at this point. And also if you pushed uh, that this scenario, this Verlander opening scenario to game three, you'd give him more time. And you could also yep. put him in the bullpen for game one and two as an emergency. Because um, there's no guarantee you get a game three, right? In these three game series. Yeah. yeah, there's no guarantee you get a game three. And if he's available, you want to at least go down with your best bullets firing a little bit. Yeah, so that's kind of my... I, that's, you know, just me speculating. I haven't talked to anyone about it, but... Well, let me ask you this. Like, on a percentage standpoint, what are the what are the odds with three weeks to go that Justin Verlander can build it back up to where he'd actually be a contender to actually start game one or two? Like, what, what's the chance of that? It seems pretty low to me. I mean, maybe game two. I mean... Yeah, I mean, not, not game one, realistically. Like, like, game Grinkies two. is their dude now, right? Like... Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, so MLB hasn't even released the schedule for when these games will be played. Um, yes. <laughs> which I'm hoping they do soon. Usually they do by now, um, which leads me on like a Marriott booking spree for all the different scenarios <laughs> in the playoffs. But this year, that won't be the case, I, I assume. Um, yeah, so like, is, is there a two days off between the regular season finale and the first playoff game? Is there one? Is there zero? Like, that, I need to know that stuff too. Um, but yeah, I don't, we don't, we don't know, um, how Verlander feels it, after these sessions, you know, so it, there's still a lot it, of unknown, but I do think the fact that he's throwing off a mound leads you to believe that he could at least give you an inning or two in a few weeks. They just spent like the last seemingly six weeks building up, building up Jose Urquidy. Now, I understand Verlander's not Urquidy. We, we get that. Totally different resumes. But if they just spent, you know, four to six weeks building up Urquidy to where he had a pitch count of like 60, 65 on Saturday for the second game of the doubleheader, uh, it's just hard to imagine that Verlander over a three or four week building up period is going to build himself up to be able to pitch 100, uh, you know, to throw 100 pitches. That just that just seems pretty unlikely. So I I think you're probably right that if he's back, it's going to be in some sort of one to three inning kind of role. Yeah, maybe he gets to 50. I, don't, I mean, like Herkidi's Herkidi's a tough comp because Herkidi had to spend 35 days in quarantine. Um, Fair point. And, uh, you know, that's tough. <laughs> um you know, I, I, God, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a it's long almost impressive that he made it back as quickly as he did. When you consider that, because he can't even really work out when you're just stuck in a apartment or hotel for 35 days, 35 days. No wonder he was so amped up on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I still think, you know, the fact that he's throwing off the mound is the big, big news. Um, yes. But I don't know. I, so think I think the opener thing is an intriguing option, especially if McCullers is either banged up and or still has like a inconsistent performance. 
Yeah, I, I think it's something that that is a possibility. I still think that they'd probably lean towards using him out of the bullpen in some form or fashion because the Astros haven't really used the opener uh, much, if at all. But I would say my main takeaway after the news that James Click had this weekend on Astros Radio about Verlander throwing off, off a mound is that I think it would be appropriate for people to become more optimistic about him coming back for the postseason. I think that's fair. I agree. Now, what kind of role? We'll see. I agree. I hope we get to hear from him soon, too. It's still it's still been since yes. opening day since he's done like a media session. So that, you know, maybe as he progresses, the Astros will make him available in, in some sort of press conference on Zoom. Um I have a quick question about the, the pitching staff as far as this week, Jake. Sure. I just want to go real quick through the game. So, Christian Javier Monday. Granky is starting uh, one of the games in the doubleheader uh, on Tuesday. Is it the first or second one? I forget. I'm not sure if they've committed, but I, I believe it will be the first. But I don't... The A's haven't said which starters... They've set their Tuesday starters, but they haven't set an order. So, the Astros might be yep. waiting to see that. I'm not sure. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Uh, so I'm wondering what they're going to do with the second game there, or uh, again, one the other the other game, and then Wednesday would, right now would be Luis Garcia. Yes, and then Thursday's Jose Arquiti, which means that Brandon Belak, you presume, is in long relief. Um, just yep. a matter of when is he available. Maybe he's a big part of Tuesday. Uh, I have to think Tuesday is some sort of bullpen game. Um, you know, for that seven inning game, which uh, maybe they'll make some roster moves so that they don't have to use guys two days in a row. I don't know. But <laughs> very, very curious to see how this series is going to go. Um, given that the Astros didn't really use many relievers at all on Sunday, I'm thinking that these guys, I'm thinking they will be available. Uh, the A's, by the way, have struggled recently, too. They, I mean, they've had, you know, a bunch of games that were postponed with, with the COVID situation. They've also lost four of their last five as well, including that doubleheader sweep at the hands of the Astros last Saturday. Um, so it's not like they, they, they come in playing, you know, super good baseball either. But, you know, just watching the Astros this weekend, it's, it, it feels like winning a game is basically like climbing a mountain, essentially. So I'm just I'm super interested to see how this week is going to go. And then the day off Friday before the big two games against the L.A. Dodgers. And Matt Chapman also went out um, Sunday with a hip injury, I believe. Um, for the A's, so we don't know if what yep. his status is for this series. Um, yeah, I guess Grinky starting Tuesday means he'll get the Sunday start against the Dodgers on Sunday Night Baseball, though, right? That makes sense. Yeah, if I'm trying to, I'm looking at what ESPN has. They've got. I guess they would. They would so have to skip ha Javier in that scenario. They would have to skip Javier and then pitch him on pitch him Tuesday against Texas. So that would be like. That would be over a week off for Javier. I don't know what their thoughts are on that. It's the Dodgers. You gotta you gotta line up Valdez Grinky if you can, right? Because they have off days on either end of it. A weird Friday off day and then a Monday off day. Yep. So Yeah, I think you're right. You you gotta pitch Grinky against the Dodgers. Yeah. I agree. Um so that'll be interesting. But um yeah, I, this A series five games in four days will be really, really big. As I think we've we've talked about it a few for a couple of weeks now. Um so, yeah, it should be really interesting um, starting Monday night. 
I agree. And then as far as the state of the lineup, it sounds like Alex Bregman's going to be back very quickly here, Jake, right? Yeah, it sounds like any day now, um, which is obviously a huge deal, although I don't know if it will will uh, move Josh Reddick and Miles Straw out of the two-hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Bregman's their best player, and you put him in the top five with the way Tucker and Brantley are swinging. Uh, and Springer's looked better, looks to be heating up a little yep. bit. Um, I, th- I think their lineup has to go up from here. Um, well, the lineup, I mean, the lineup was not the issue this right. weekend. They scored five, nine, six, and five runs over these four games, despite the fact that we're seeing a lot of like, you know, Aledmus Diaz, Jack Mayfield, Abraham Toro. My God, he's had a terrible season. Uh, and despite all of that, they're still producing runs. Yeah. At what point do you pull the plug on Toro and option him? Because it's, it's not it's not working. Yeah, I feel like I have more confidence with Jack Mayfield at the plate. Like that's <laughs> that's basically that's honestly the level that, I, that I'm getting at right now. Uh, Aledmus Diaz has, has had some big swings. Um no, he has. I, I threw him in there just randomly. Like, Aledmus is obviously, he, he's a professional hitter, so I'm, I'm not really concerned about him. But they've obviously had to, with Altuve and Bregman out of the lineup, uh, they've obviously, and, and then Yuli had a day off. They've had to, you know, mix in some guys here. Yeah, yeah. I was digging into the stats a little bit, and I, I wrote this. The story went up on Monday. Um, they haven't hit bullpens this year. It's a, a weird thing. Well, where they, they do really well against starters, and then they don't hit the bullpen. Yes, and and I, that's a large part of the reason why they have that bizarre stat where they're what two and six in extra inning games. Uh, their slugging percentage in those games is dreadful, and you look at those games like they're just not they're just not hitting the ball. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it. They're just you're a hundred percent. That's a great observation and a and good research. Like they, I, that's the reason why they've lost all those extra inning games combined with the bullpen is that they're just not hitting these yeah. guys. And they also have a weird righty lefty splits like they're not good against righties but they are really good against lefties um yes yeah. it's, it's strange i mean the, the, i think the padres series i think was a good example of that a couple of weeks ago where the the padres starters were not going deep into games it seems like they were bringing guys every other inning like every inning or two and they couldn't hit any of them right and the padres at that point were that was like their bullpen was like an issue um yes it's really, it's very strange. I mean, I, see, that one is one that's so weird that I would probably chalk it up to only playing, you know, five or six weeks as a sample size. Uh, it, it is weird that you could, you know, you know, hit hit like crazy against Lance Lynn and then struggle against the Angels bullpen. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it'll be a interesting week. Um, it will be. Hope everyone is is doing okay out there. Please. Um, Subscribe to the podcast on Apple. Follow the podcast on Spotify. That'll it'll tell you when there's a new episode out. And also, please uh, rate and review us on Apple as well. Uh, we'd love the feedback. We'd love more feedback. Tell us tell us what you want to hear us talk about. Um, you know, tell us what we're doing well, what we're not doing well, and uh, all, all feedback is welcomed on there. So we will talk to you guys on Thursday when we will know at least the first couple of results of this uh, big A series. I I tend to think, as I said last Monday, if the Astros are going to make a run at winning back the division, they're going to have to, you know, reel off a couple of wins here, including that big doubleheader on Tuesday. And it just seems a little bit unlikely with the state of the bullpen. But we shall see. These things can obviously turn very, very quickly. That'll do it for the latest episode of the Crawford Talks. He's Jay Kaplan. 
I'm Mike Meltzer. This is the Crawford Talks brought to you by The Athletic.